0: good morning everyone and we're so happy you're here with us and Welcome to the first day of 21 Days of Prayer, and we do this twice a year. January, we do prayer and fasting, and in August, as we lead up into the season of a new beginning of this new school year, and our seasons will start to change, it will actually get cooler here in Texas in a little bit, you know, this is another time that we want to just center our focus in on God and seek the Lord. So as we do our schedule on Sunday, it's just regular church, whether the 11 o'clock service or the 3 o'clock Service And then, of course, during the week, it'll be meeting in this room. It will also be live streaming from 6 to 7. We're really, really punctual. It's one hour. Start on time and we end on time. It's a different format than we traditionally do for our 8 o'clock Saturday morning prayer time. But we will have worship for a little bit. We'll have a short message. And we have some guest speakers going to be doing messages. So it's going to be pretty cool. And then we'll have a time of corporate prayer. And we'll have a time of private prayer. And we have these new prayer guides we're going to be handing out tomorrow and um, pretty cool. it have got all kinds of prayers that you can pray in there and just great examples. And, and it's really good for someone who says, you know, man, I've been a Christian for a while or man, I just got to be saved. And you know, I, I know about prayer and I know I talk to God and I just say this and that to God, but yeah, I don't really know what to say and I'm done with my prayer in about one minute. Well, this is a great way for you to learn and it's a great way. And you might say an hour, how in the world could I spend an hour, much less one time, but for 21 days, you would be amazed. It will go by so quickly, and before you know it, we'll be saying have a great day, and bless you guys, and you're out the door at 6.59 typically, but that's what's going on. We're starting this week, so welcome to the first day of that. Now, I have a question for you. I put it out on Facebook this week, trying to prompt it out there, and I have an uh, 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 image up there. I don't know if they were able to grab it off the, the drive or not, but the question is, what would you attempt if you knew you wouldn't fail? Now you may have heard that before and, and I put this little image up and it you know, had these big question marks and all these different things but it, it's something we hear a lot. In fact, I've used it a lot when I'm counseling people and talking to people to challenge them, hey, don't let failure, don't let fear, don't let something else stand behind you and it's a great way to motivate and to, to bring up and, and just flesh out your God-given abilities but if we're honest, the reason we don't do things that we would want to do or we don't attempt to do things is because we do think we're going to fail. We do think that there's the fear of, what if I don't? What if it doesn't work out? What if I fail? How, what if it, it's, it's, So the question, what would you attempt if you knew you wouldn't fail? You know, we've been looking for the last two weeks at the word sin. And so much of the stigma that we have this image in our mind from, from just culture of, oh, you're a sinner, and you're a this, and you're a that. And it's, just, it's made to be like a wet blanket that puts it down on us and just buries us. And every one of us has places that we've fallen short, and we can't, we, none of us are perfect. But somehow when we think, and someone says you're a sinner, or you're this sin, this thing just, just, just like debilitating, it just like crushes you. So we looked at the first week at the two words that Jesus used when he's talking about sin, and one meant to miss the mark. And that's the one he talked about. And I'm not going to re preach my message from two weeks ago, though I'm so tempted to. The woman caught in adultery and, and they brought him before Jesus to, to say, She deserves to die. What do you say? And he says, You've missed the mark. He didn't say you're a terrible person. You made up all these mistakes. You're all, he says you missed the mark. And, and I'm I'm, so, I'm going down that road like I could just start preaching it all over again. But go back and listen to it on the podcast or watch the video. But it's like a dartboard. That you missed there and you, you failed it a little bit. But you just missed it. Do better. Aim better. And then the other word was, means failure. Like you've missed the mark so many times that you're characterized it's failure, that you, you just missed it more than you've ever th- thought about hitting it. So those two words, and we've looked at that a lot. But this week, I want to kind of jump into the next layer of that. And where did sin originate? Where did missing the mark come? And where did it come from? And, and this is another one of those stories that most people, if you've never been in church, know of the story of Adam and Eve. And, and you have some kind of a elementary, rudimentary um, image of it in your mind, and you have this thing. But I want us to look at the story this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 3. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to have a whole bunch of stuff up here on the screen. And, and I'm going to deviate from my normal way again. And we're going to use a lot of the actual words, and we're going to dive into that. But let's just open with prayer. Father God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that my words will just leave my mouth and fall to the ground and have no impact. But God, your word will stand forever. So Father, I pray that you will help us all be challenged and that your word will bring life to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. And I highlighted shrewdest because I want to look at that. And it's like, what does that mean? And we're going to look at that word literally in a minute. But one day, he asked the woman, the serpent did, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? That word shrewd literally means crafty, shrewd, or sensible. And I started thinking about it as I was digging deep in that. I'm like, man, what is the world, our culture around us like? You know, that church stuff doesn't even make sense. Huh. He was the one who tried to make sense of things in the world. The serpent did. He's crafty. He's trying to be sensible. Sometimes the things that seem sensible are in complete contrast to God. Continue on, verse 2. Of course we may eat of the fruit of the trees, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God says, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Touch it. Now, that's actually adding something into the world the word, than what Jesus or what God actually told Adam. And Adam kind of like made it a little bit bigger. But then when um, I uh, dug deep into that, here's what that word means. It means reaching. One of the big ways it says, don't even reach for that thing that God says stay away from. But isn't that the first step that we have when we're going to miss the mark? Is that we start reaching for something? We we have this thing that's like pulling for us and like, I think I want that. Or you know, if you're fasting or you're on a diet and you see chocolate, you see this or that, and you're like, I just want. And you start reaching for it. You reach for it in your mind before you even reach with your hand. Is that word is don't even reach for it. Serpent says in verse 4, you won't die. God knows, and here's where I really want to land and dig down a little bit. It says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, the most amazing thing about this is they were already like god god says he created man in his image they were already like god and the devil the serpent the shrewd one is coming trying to make sense of it all say hey if you want to be like god then you need to do this god's kind of holding this back behind you he's trying to tempt him with something they already had entirely other message but your eyes will be opened that word knowing means the same way that Adam knew Eve and they conceived, the same way that it says, We want you to know God. It's his deep, personal, intimate knowledge of both good and evil. And that word, eyes, literally means appearance, concern, your confidence. It means to look, your looks, your outward appearance, your the pleasing thing, you're trying to please other people kind of thing. Seeing and how you seem. Your eyes. So he's saying your outward appearance, how you're going to project yourself, how you see yourself, how your, your perspective of life is going to change if you eat this. And follow along there. That word good literally means a good thing, A benefit or welfare, something you're going to enjoy, something that's good, good things, gracious, happiness, pleasant, prosperity, richer, what is good? And the word evil means evil, distress, misery, injury, calamity, adversity, calamity, disaster, trouble, wickedness. It literally, if you put it all together in verse 5, God knows. Your appearance, your concern, your confidence, your outward appearance what pleases, what you see, how things seem to you, will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both benefit, goodness, happy happiness, prosperity, what is good, and distress, misery, calamity, wickedness, trouble, harm, ruin, and disaster. Now, let's just stop there for a second. If somebody comes and says, hey, you're missing out on all of this misery, distress, calamity, wickedness, trouble, (laughs) ruin, and disaster, you'd be like, I I can do without that. I think I'll pass on that. But they've never been exposed to this. But even in the context of the serpent being shrewd and saying, man, you're missing out. Let's talk sensibly about this. He tells them what's to come. But even as we look at the words that is literally there and kind of breaking it out, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me, fast forward to when Jesus was on the earth in John 10.10, 10, and he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Isn't that what he says? You'll open up and you'll understand evil, which is all of these bad things, but you'll also know good. And Jesus says, but I've come that you have life and you have it to the full. Jesus is saying there's two different worlds. Which one do you want to live in? And the serpent, go back to that previous screen, please. The the serpent's saying, yeah, you're going to get to know this other side that God's holding back from you. It's true. There wasn't distress. There wasn't misery. There wasn't calamity. There wasn't harm. There wasn't trouble. There wasn't ruin and disaster. It opened that up. Continue in Genesis 3, verse 6. The woman was convinced. And she saw that the tree was beautiful, and the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. The word where it says good in the NASB, or it's beautiful, or it looks delicious, literally means charming. She was charmed by this. It was enticing to her. And where it says he'll delight in the NASB, it means greedy, intense, and what is desirable. So you see this shift happening right there. And where the word says you're literally going to reach out and try and reach for the sin, it now becomes a word that means craving. It means the desire to crave. Verse 7, in that, that moment their eyes remember what their eyes meant how you see yourself how your presentation your outward appearance how you seem how you're projecting yourself to the world and see we all have our own image of ourself and for me all of my life i never had a beard and i hated beards and i didn't do it and then dr kennedy says you got to have a beard you know if you're gonna be relevant today and it's no shave november we're both doing this you got to do this i'm like i don't want to do this and then we did he's like now you can't shave but you know, in my mind, even though I've had this for almost five years now, in my mind, I still see a clean-shaven person. It's not till I look in the mirror and go, oh, yeah, I do have a beard. I forgot about that. You see, the way we see ourselves is often different than what we put out there. At that moment, how they saw themselves was open. It changed. It shifted. And they suddenly felt shame. God wasn't concerned with their nakedness. God wasn't concerned with how they were dressed or undressed. If he was, he would have immediately after he created them, went over to Macy's and said, hey, here, go shopping. Here, go over here and, you know, go, got, get this going on over here. That wasn't the point. But the ability or the capacity to miss the mark came in with disobedience. So as we've been looking at sin the last couple of weeks and we saw how it's missing the mark and how it affects our lives and how God's always there with his hands outstretched to bring us and that there's a way out, I wanted us to look this morning at where it began and where that ability, where our capacity to miss the mark is. Now, remember, your eye is how you perceive things in, in that translation, how it works out of how you see your outward appearance and everything. And then Jesus in Matthew 6, fast forward. This is the beginning in Genesis and in Matthew, when Jesus is on the earth some thousands of years later, he's talking as well, and he says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Can I suggest to you the way you see things, the way your outward appearances, the way you're perceiving your world, when it's good, your whole body's filled with light. Verse 23, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that Darkness. There's so many people that think they got it all going on. They think they've got life figured out. They think, I don't need God. I don't need all these things. And if the light that they think they have is actually darkness, what a terrible place they're in. Jesus goes on. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. We had not been talking about money. Why in the world is that coming up? And, and it's just this, this crazy little analogy. And then he goes on to say, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. But isn't that where we find ourselves? We have the stress of this bill and that bill and this thing and this situation and going back to school. The kids need this and that and something else. We've got to buy backpacks and we've got to buy the supplies. We've got to... Don't worry about everyday life. Whether you'll have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear for going back to school. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Can I say that again? He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink and what will we wear? Verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes they dominate my thoughts too. Sometimes they dominate my thoughts because it's the outside pressure that's coming in. It's like, hey, reach over here and start jumping into the world where it's not going to work out for you. If you try this thing, you're going to fail. They dominate our thoughts. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God. That word seek literally means to search. Search to try, to keep trying to obtain, to be deliberate and demanding and inquiring and looking. Where it says that all these things will be added to you in the NASB and he will give you everything you need. It literally means added, brought, increased. More will even be given besides what you have. And it denotes local proximity. Specifically, Motion towards a place. See, God says, I have this great plan for you. And I know what I've I've called you to do and where I want you to go. And where this whole big thing. And he goes, this whole big thing. And I'm trying to get you there. See, it says local proximity. Like you're, you're right there close to it. And the motion towards going there. That's really what it says. When you seek the kingdom of God. And it goes on in those words and means. That there's an appointed, a committed, a destined, a present, and a purpose. Seek first. So as we're on the first day of 21 days of prayer, can I ask you, what are you going to seek? We've been talking for about two months about it's coming, it's coming. in August, which will be here in just a minute. Before you turn around, it's going to be August the 5th. And here we are, it's August the 5th. And I said, hey, put some intentionality towards us. Start making the list of what you're going to ask God for. What are you going to seek God for? What are you going to ask him for? Last week, we talked about who are you going to ask God for? Who is it that you're going to believe during this 21 days of prayer? That God's going to reach down and just impact their life. That this will be when they say yes to God. Last week we looked at how we need to have the heart of God for people who are far from him. This week we see where sin originated from. How there's this, this tendency just to reach out and this craving. If you've ever been addicted or been around someone who has an addiction, they just have this thing that's pulling them all the time. And it's like, I, I can't stop thinking about this. I can't stop wanting this. I can't. And I, I feel pulled this way. And God says, yeah, but here, if you trust in me, I have this plan. But it originates in seeking the kingdom of God. This week, we're going to have declarations declarations in these 21 days different days we're going to have different declarations but i want to ask you what are you going to declare what are you going to speak out of your mouth what are you going to say god i'm believing you that this is going to happen god i'm making the effort to get up and be at church at six o'clock in the morning and that is an effort that is a struggle and i'm not a morning person and i'll be the first one here but god i'm taking this exercise and i'm doing something out of the ordinary I'm seeking you first. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes. This all begins with knowing God. You can't seek the one who you've never met. You can't seek the kingdom of God when you've had no interest in being in the kingdom of God. So this morning, I don't know where you're at, whether you're in this room, you're watching online, watching after the fact you're listening to our podcast it's just crazy the numbers of everybody who's who's the the message is coming out of this little building in Plano Texas is going around the world I don't know where you find yourself you may have never asked God into your life if I was right there with you you might say Pastor Kevin if I'm honest I'm far from God Maybe you once walked with God and you say, man, I just kind of, I don't know. I let those things concern me. Let me, I, I, I don't know why, but you don't have to stay there. Today can be your day. And that's a private moment between you and God, but I'm here to help you with the words, if you would like. If that's you this morning. And it's a private thing. We're not gonna invite anybody to the front. We're not gonna embarrass anybody. Just simply say this prayer. And mean it from your heart say jesus thank you for paying for my sins so i don't have to today is my day i invite you into my heart i ask you to forgive me and i come just as i am i surrender it all to you and i choose to follow you and the best way i know how i'm gonna live for you with all of my heart Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. God, whether it's the first time or it's another time. God, that you would just reach down from heaven and you just envelop them and wrap them in your arms. And Lord, whether they feel a thing or whether they don't, we know that all of heaven is rejoicing. God, I pray for all of us in this message this morning, that we'll see ourselves. Not only will we see how sin entered in and how the the choices of Adam and Eve affect us today, but God, how that you came and you still said there's two choices. The enemy's trying to kill, steal, and rob from you, but I'm here to give you life to the full. God, I pray that we continue to seek your kingdom. And one of the side benefits is life to the full. Give all this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, if you'll pull this connection card out. I know Michael's already talked to you about it. You should have already the top part filled in. And you know the texting Our welcome to our new system. I love that new system. And it just has some text messages ability for us to text you back and forth. There's a place in the middle that says, my decision today. There's a couple of choices. And there's a place for your prayer requests. And these prayer requests, there's a perforated line there. We cut those off. And tomorrow morning when, when you come in here, you watch us online, you'll see the stage is going to be filled. It goes from about here all the way over to there. And it comes back about five feet And they're going to keep growing because we're keeping on taking these and we're putting these up here. And we're going to reach up and we're going to grab these and we're just going to walk around and pray over them. Put them back down and somebody else will grab it. And those things are going to get prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. So if you'll just finish completing this, then Michael's going to come in just a moment. He's collect up these in any of the offering envelopes that you have. We'll be praying and being dismissed. All right, if you'll stand to your feet, and you know how we like to do it, if you'll reach across the aisle and grab the hand of somebody that's beside you. Let's just pray. Father God, I just thank you for this week. Lord, I thank you for all the prayer requests that have come in this week. Lord, all the connection cards that will come in over this weekend. Lord, for all the people who are coming for the first time for the three o'clock service and other people that are coming that haven't been able to come for a while. God, I speak your blessing over all those people. Lord, and all those requests and all those connection cards. Lord, and over the people who've sent in their tithes and their offerings in the buckets this morning. Lord, and through the service this afternoon and online this whole week. Father, I speak your blessing that makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it over everyone. Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.